Even though you would sometimes disagree with him, he would listen. There are things that we can be doing right now to have open dialogue, to get public input, and to be able to make solid decisions for the state of Alaska. You know, politics, Mr. President, in my estimation, is a character test. Welcome to the Empty Office podcast, which is a production of the office of Senator Lukey Gale Tobin. I'm Mike Mason. This is episode 20, a tense and unscripted day. Today, we wrap up season one with a special episode looking back at a specific day during the 2023 session. On paper, March 7th was scheduled to be a busy yet normal day for Senator Tobin and her office. The first meeting of the day was with Senator James Kaufman at 8 o'clock in the morning. That was followed by a Zoom meeting to get a quick update from the Anchorage School District. There was also a quick meet and greet with the new Director of Government Affairs for North America for PepsiCo. The event circled on the calendar was the weekly press availability for the Senate Majority Caucus that started at 12.30 in the afternoon. Senator Tobin participated to give an update on the high-priority bill to increase the base student allocation in the state of Alaska. We're very excited to be introducing a committee substitute for our Senate Bill 52, the BSA increase, tomorrow. And we're looking forward to really taking in the input and the feedback that we've heard from parents, from education advocates, from our locally elected school boards on how best to provide that stable and predictable funding now and into the future, as well as ensure that we have uh, the right access to the data and information that our school districts and our community members need to improve edu education outcomes at the local level. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to having that hearing tomorrow to present that change in the CS and to continuing to work hard on improving education outcomes across the state. The Senate Majority Press availability was Senator Tobin's first public event of the day. However, it was preceded by a meeting at 11 a.m. with Governor Dunleavy's legislative director to get a briefing on a couple of education-related bills the governor was unveiling that day. There had been a lot of speculation about what the governor was going to propose. One of the more prevalent rumors was the governor was going to tie a proposed increase in education funding to some sort of performance metric. One of the ideas that had been alluded to was to only give school districts additional funding if they met an arbitrary measure of success. We jokingly called it the beatings will continue until morale improves plan. As we walked up to the third floor of the Capitol building to meet with the governor's legislative director, we didn't know what the governor was going to propose. Rather, I didn't know what the governor was going to propose. Here's Senator Tobin reflecting on the events of March 7th, 2023. I wish it was easy to explain to the public about the code switching you have to do as a politician, that you can't always have a personal reaction to information you receive or to ideas that are proposed because you have to put on your, I'm a representative of a community hat. It can't be just about you. It has to be about something bigger and broader. And walking into the legislative director's office, knowing that the bill that was going to be put before me was going to fundamentally shift the education conversation away from the emerging fiscal crisis of our schools, the mental health crisis our students had been 
elevating to our attention in recent committee hearings the frustration our teachers have been experiencing and the required state response in supporting our public education system to provide a high quality public education for every student to arguably this manufactured crisis of a small vulnerable group of kiddos who simply want to play in team sports. I was trying valiantly to keep my cool and to think about this constructively, to know that I should not and could not immediately react in a way that fundamentally would would fracture emerging coalition building. I knew I had to articulate a measured and metered response. However, I don't think I did that as well as I probably should have. It was a gut punch, knowing and preparing myself for the language to be put forth before me for me to see it in black and white did nothing to lessen my immediate gut reaction. And arguably, it is difficult not to put yourself in the shoes of someone you could empathize with. Knowing that that was what was before me was this bill that stripped young kids of their right to be who they are, where they are authentically. I probably should have had a better metered response but I couldn't stop the tears and I couldn't stop the emotion that rose up in my voice. The first of Governor Dunleavy's education proposals unveiled on March 7th was the least controversial of the two bills. Senate Bill 97 sought to put in place a teacher bonus program. Senator Tobin was asked about the bill during the afternoon of March the 7th. I think incentives in some ways is an interesting idea. We have used this tool in the past, whether it was loan forgiveness or whether it was hiring bonuses or offering housing. Uh, incentives do work to attract people into the profession in particular ways, if it's an incentive that really motivates them. Yesterday during Senate education, we heard from ICER, the Institute of Social and Economic Research, and also the University of Alaska and the Department of Education and Early Development. And they all mentioned some form of incentive program being a tool that could be in the toolbox for recruiting educators. The question that I have is how do we then retain them? Uh, I think Senator Bjorkman said something very, very insightful on the record yesterday, which is, what does it look like for an educator to get $15,000 at the end of the year with a pink slip? We can't just have this tool that gets them in the door. We need to be able to keep them working and thriving in our schools. And the way to do that is through defined benefits. The way to do that is by having affordable housing. The way to do that is through having robust professional development opportunities. We know that educators who have small class sizes, who have a robust administrative and support staff so that they can focus on the in-classroom activities are going to do well. And those are the pieces that I'm really interested in flushing out when it comes to the retention component. The current plan is to incorporate aspects of Senate Bill 97 into a larger bill sponsored by the Senate Education Committee to address Alaska's crisis with teacher retention and recruitment. Stay tuned for more details. The second bill the Governor Dunleavy unveiled on March 7th was Senate Bill 96. 
The bill is touted as a parental rights measure, but it's come to be known as Alaska's Don't Say Gay Bill. The bill would restrict sex education in Alaska by requiring parental permission for children to participate in any form of sex education. The bill would also require parental permission for students to change their preferred pronouns. The bill would also require students to use a restroom that aligns with their biological sex. SB 96 prompted several interview requests of Senator Tobin from members of the Capitol Press Corps. The senator spent much of the afternoon on March the 7th doing those interviews. There is just so many circumstances that we don't know about that impact a young person's ability to be who they are, where they are. And we want to make sure that that young person is as well supported as they can be on their academic journey. And that means making sure that the education experts that have the deep and dynamic relationship with them are supported in doing the work that they've been trained to do. I, I do think it's important to note that I am a, I'm a big advocate of parents and guardians and that broad definition of those trusted adults in a young person's life. I think we, we enshrine that in the Alaska Reads Act. We, we talk about parents being the first teachers of a young person's academic journey. Uh, and we enshrine parents as teachers in legislation, there is no doubt that a, a parent is an important component of a young person's academic journey. But there's always going to be the extenuating or outside circumstances that require that education expert to really help that young person be safe, to be seen, and to be, to be elevated as their true self. And by no means do I think government should get involved in that. I think government's role is making sure public assistance is well-funded and that people aren't going hungry. I think government's role is making sure that we have high-quality drinking water and that we don't have forever chemicals tainting our water supply. I think government's role is making sure our rural communities have access to heating fuel and to food and to medicine through marine highway transportation. This is quite frankly a distraction. It's taking away from the things that we have promised the people we will do and put our attention toward and instead thrown us directly into a culture war that is divisive at best. As the afternoon wore on, Senator Tobin spoke passionately about the importance of the issues under discussion. The question that kept coming up was whether Senator Tobin, as chair of the Senate Education Committee, would hear the governor's bill in her committee. I grew up in a, in a rural space where I didn't conform to gender norms. I went by a different name because uh, I think it's pretty obvious that my name is very wonky and I get misgendered a lot by it. And I struggled a lot as a kid. And I was incredibly lucky to have educators who saw me for me and who supported me and who were trusted confidants in the time of my life that I needed the most. And I think I turned out really well. And I think many of our young people who are on this journey need that type of support, need the support I received. And for all the educators who are my friends and who I know are doing this work, I can't think of any other way to say, I see you and I believe in what you're doing and I support your efforts than to not hear a bill that would undermine their very existence as advocates and supporters of the young people becoming who they are, where they are. 
Thankfully, the issue of what committee would hear the governor's bill became moot when Senate President Gary Stevens instead referred the bill to the Senate Judiciary Committee, where it also did not receive a hearing. During the press interviews on March the 7th, Senator Tobin repeatedly stressed her commitment to defending LGBTQ rights. I'm pretty open with the fact that I'm the board secretary for the Pride Foundation, and we work within a five-state area to really work with our local nonprofits in helping affirm everyone's right to be who they are, where they are. Uh, it is difficult to, to hear someone talk about not allowing a young person to, to start that journey and to grow in a safe space. We know that young people who are in the LGBT community are 120% more likely to experience homelessness. We know they are four times more likely to uh, attempt suicide. It is difficult to know that for many young people, the only safe place that they have, the only place that they are seen as their true selves, where they get to use their correct name and their correct pronouns is the school, the public school. And to take that away from them, to potentially threaten them with those who in their lives may not be supportive of that journey for them, to that journey to see who they are, where they are, is scary to me. It is not a large population by any means, but it is a substantially vulnerable population. And that's who was just created into a political football. That's who was just thrown out there as a, a culture war uh, victim. And I don't want to have that discussion. What I want to talk about is what's going on with public assistance and how many hungry bellies are out there of young kids who can't learn because they don't have the food at home to make it possible for them to, to show up. How many people are out there trying to come in and offer medical interventions or speech pathology or physical therapy or occupational therapy, but can't because we have such a backlog in licensing. Uh, what is happening in our communities where we don't have enough resources to get kids to the school because our busing uh, pupil transport hasn't been evaluated since 2012. Those to me seem like the real issues that should be being discussed, not trying to weaponize gender identity and sexual orientation in a group of very vulnerable young people. The final press interview of the day on March the 7th was with Sean McGuire with the Anchorage Daily News. Sean has a desk in the press office, which is just up the hall from Senator Tobin's office. McGuire will often stop by and chat with Senator Tobin and us staffers as he's heading to and from his desk. That's what happened on Tuesday, March the 7th. At the end of the brief conversation, Senator Tobin expressed exasperation at what had transpired that day. Jeez Louise, <laughs> we should be talking about helping our schools get stabilized and helping our educators know that there's resources for tomorrow, that they're not going to get pink slipped. But this, I really thought we were going to go down a different pathway, uh, that we were in a different place. Uh, working on the Alaska Reads Act with the governor, I found a lot of synergy and I am just very dismayed that here we are having to defend the rights for young people to be who they are, where they are. That that's the conversation that needs to be had before we can move forward on the more important things that are happening to our state right in this moment. Tuesday, March 7th was just one of the 122 days that made up the 2023 legislative session in Juneau. However, in the office of Senator Lukey Gale Tobin, March 7th was a very big day. On June 16th, via a Zoom call, Senator Tobin tried to put March the 7th, 2023 into perspective. You go into this work thinking you're going to help people and you're going to make good policy and you're going to fight for the causes that matter. And up until that moment, 
I had felt this incredible energy and synergy around education advocacy. There were folks who typically had sat on the sidelines or who did not think our education system needed as much attention as it deserves and requires, were suddenly standing up and saying, wait a minute, something's wrong. Something isn't going right. And their trust in me to lead the conversation and to help shape the narrative was heady. It has felt empowering and also at the same time humbling. And then comes this day that just erodes all that foundation, that erodes all of that forward progress and stops you directly in your tracks. And you find yourself having to fight a battle on a completely different front and arguably a front that there was no war being waged to begin with. There was nothing happening there that someone created it out of thin air because they needed a target. They needed a scapegoat and they found one on the backs of children. It was debilitating. And since then, it has been difficult for me because I do pride myself on trying to emphatically understand the other side. I, I pride myself on really trying to get into the shoes of somebody who disagrees with me so I can see where they're coming from. And I feel very privileged to have a spouse who will often help me work through those points, who has watched the documentary on what is a woman, who has listened to some of the right rhetoric and the conservative pundits and AM talk show hosts describe their fears and frustrations around trans, trans community members. And I sit and listen, and I try to really get down to the fundamental points that they are making so that I can look at it holistically. I can look at issues with a broad eye, because to me, that is what makes a good representative of a community, that makes a good political official, is when you're willing to hear what the other side has to say. And I still just don't get it. I still don't understand why you would try to dictate how someone expresses themselves. Why does it matter to you how a person lives as their authentic self, especially when it does nothing to prevent you from being who you are? That concludes episode 20 of the Empty Office podcast, which is a production of the office of Senator Lukey Gail Tobin. I hope you enjoyed our first season. We'll be back with new episodes in August. If you have feedback, send me an email. I'll put my email address in the show notes. You can listen and subscribe to the Empty Office podcast on Substack, Spotify, and the Apple Podcast app. I'm Mike Mason. Please be safe out there.